2: Ho, 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 and welcome back once again, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King on this Christmas week of football action as we get set to go against the spread with the college football bowl games now moving in full gear along with the final week of the NFL season right around the corner. And with that, I'm going to welcome our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports who I know is feeling awfully good these days, not only about Christmas and the upcoming New Year's holiday, but also coming off a fantastic week where he swept the board in the NFL totals tip sheet and, most importantly, cashed that big 10-star NFL totals play of the year winner, a total crush play on the Seattle Seahawks and the Kansas City Chiefs. Kudos to you, Victor, and I hope your Christmas holiday was as good as your results have been.
3: Thank you. Right back at you, Mark. Feeling good, Looking sharp, uh, a happy camper these days. We got a good feel for the NBA over-unders, 67% thus far in the college bowl over-unders. Uh, and as you mentioned, a really nice pre-Christmas weekend to sweep the board, total stip sheet 3-0. And of course, you know, we want to thank everybody who did join us. Uh, a play we had been researching for about five weeks. We ended up using the Chiefs Seahawks over as our uh, 10-star game of the year. Brought home the bacon. It was the game in which there were more offensive yards than any other game. On the NFL scoreboard, even more offensive yards than that Saints-Steelers game. I believe the Chiefs and Seahawks accounted for somewhere around 880 total offensive yards. Uh, A little chippy in the beginning. There was only 24 points at the half. But uh, you knew at some point the Chiefs would turn it on and make a game of it. I believe there was 32 points scored in the final 16 minutes of that game. Uh, So we got that happy ending. Very, very pleased with that result. And we were pleased that we finished up your run of 10-star winners with a 10-star winner of our own. And, of course, I'm talking about your Carolina Panthers 10-star NFL game of the year and your Ohio State Buckeyes uh, 10-star college game of the year.
2: Yeah, it's been a nice season. We're going to kind of have a tear in the eye as we bid adieu to the 2018 right. football season here. But we're excited with the college football bowl games coming to a conclusion here as we draw nearer to New Year's Day than the following week, obviously, the college football championship game, which will be, by the way, our final podcast for the 2018 football season. We'll be back with a special NFL playoff preview podcast here on Mark Lawrence against the spread next week. So mark that down as we get ready for the upcoming NFL football playoffs. And as we talked about, the college football bowl games are now in full swing here. Uh, I'm going to ask Victor here for a little update about how the favorites and dogs have fared. But uh, one thing that I do know, Victor, is we'll be moving from what we call the minor bowl games onto the major bowl game portion of the schedule, where primarily the group of five teams are dominating the itinerary now, but it'll be the. Move to the power five conferences, the big boys coming up right around the corner. Victor, what have you seen so far as far as the favorite dogs breakdown over under tolls have gone in the college bowl games this season?
3: We're going to bounce the numbers off of Andy to determine uh, what's been going on in terms of the sports books. I would imagine the general public is doing pretty well in the bowls right now. I say that because of the emphasis on the favorites and the overs that have been hitting We've got the numbers. Uh, favorites in the bowls have gone eleven and three straight up, ten three and one ATS. A really really strong start for the chalk. Seven and one ATS in the first eight ball games. Only three and three since. And in terms of the over unders, you know, the last time we talked to everybody was uh, last Wednesday, and I believe the first uh, six ball games in terms of over unders ended up going three and three. But since then. Since our last show, the Gasparilla Bowl on Thursday went over the total. Both of Friday's bowl games went over the total, Bahamas Bowl and the Potato Bowl. And then on Saturday, there was a quartet of college bowl games. Three out of four of them went over. That would be the Birmingham Bowl. The Armed Forces Bowl, that was the bowl game we talked about last week on the show. And uh, if you played Mark's selection on Army, you were a really happy guy throughout that game. We had a slight opinion on the over. That one was pretty much a no-brainer as well. The Dollar General Bowl went over. The only Saturday bowl game that went under was Hawaii. So right now, after 14 bowls, in terms of the over-unders, nine overs, five unders, again, were accentuated by the chalk and the overs thus far. But you were telling me a really interesting stat, Mark, in regards to yards per point or yards per play in the bowls thus far. And I want to hear a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, it's been uh, it's from our good friends over at vsin.com in Vegas, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. They put out an excellent daily, not only product but also publications uh, that weekly uh, weekly newsletter and daily update information. And they were updating in my report on Wednesday morning as we do this show about the fantastic success that college football teams have had when they own the superior yards per play number. Over their opponent, you have a better yards per play on the season than does your opponent thus far in bowl games. Now, this is in bowl games coming into Wednesday, so through Christmas Day, teams with the superior yards per point record are thirteen and one straight up, and thirteen o and one against the spread so far in college bowl games. So, for those of you who maybe perhaps might want to shy away from the statistical analysis portion of handicapping games. You're doing yourself a huge disservice by doing just that because it's edges like this that we talk about that really come into play when it comes to making you a better handicapper. And you can find out exactly who these teams have better yards per play numbers are for the rest of the bowl games inside the college Football Bowl Stat Report, the Playbook College Bowl Stat Report. It's available online at playbook.com. You'll want to put your hands on a copy of this because there's plenty of bowl games that they will be kicking off between now and the New Year's Day bowl games. And to find out who those superior teams with yards per play numbers have to be, check it out online at playbook.com, the College Football Bowl Stat Report. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things where we're into our final week of the 2018 football season. And with that, we've got uh, the playoffs look like they're uh, pretty well uh, locked up. We've only got one team, one battle in the NFC where uh, there's one team, the Philadelphia Eagles on the outside looking in. The Minnesota Vikings, who we'll be talking about in our NFL Game of the Week, looking to protect that sixth and final spot. Uh, On the AFC side of things, we've got a battle in place here. Four teams, Baltimore, Indianapolis, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh, have yet to solidify their position in the playoffs. So there's a lot to like about the football card this particular weekend. We overviewed all the games in our Playbook football newsletter that's available online at playbook.com this Wednesday, as will the totals tip sheet be available this Wednesday online. One day delay this week with the newsletters because of the Christmas Day holidays. And with that, Victor, I'm going to ask you about what happened, what you saw in the National Football League last week. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like some more low-scoring football games.
3: True, and a good week for the Dogs, too. 9, 5, and 2 ATS for underdogs last week. On the season, we got the Dogs turning a nice profit overall in pro football at 121, 101 and 11 ATS. And yes, indeed another low scoring week in the NFL. Uh, of course, we had three unders in the totals tip sheet. They went 3 and 0. That'll tell you a little bit about what happened last week out of the 16 games, six overs, nine unders, one tie. The month of December extremely low scoring. We know how high scoring the first half of the season was. But the numbers have really come down to earth here in the month of December. Now we got uh, in the last four weeks of the NFL, 25, 37 and one over under. That's six, nine and one over under last week, seven and nine each of the two previous weekends and then five, 10, and one over under to open up the month of December. Yes, another low scoring week in the NFL, as you mentioned, a lot of things are pretty much set in stone in the NFL. The one team that I want to talk about for a minute, if we can, Mark, again, is the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I was at a Christmas Eve party, and uh, one of the people at the party was a Philadelphia Eagles uh, fan originally from Philadelphia. And they're kind of perplexed there in Philadelphia these days with the fact that it's been Nick Foles who has led Philadelphia to this late, re-season, recent surge for the defending Super Bowl champions. And. They don't know what to do. there. the fans. Do we keep both quarterbacks? Do we trade one away? Uh, Nick Foles has got something that Carson Wentz doesn't have. He may not have the physical attributes. He may not have the statistics, but he's got something in regards to being a leader that really the team rallies around on the field. I want to go back to that cowboy game from three weeks ago. That was a bad, kind of a bad beat for both of us there. And you know, The Philadelphia head coach has made a name for himself being that gutsy guy going forward on fourth down, and they had the perfect opportunity to go for a two-point conversion at the end of the game against the Dallas Cowboys to sneak away from Dallas with a win, and yet they opted to play for the overtime. The game ended up going over the total in overtime. Dallas ended up winning that game with a touchdown in overtime, If Philadelphia does what they have done and what got them to the Super Bowl last year and rolls the dice on the division road, they could be the one that's in the playoffs right now with Minnesota looking up at them.
2: Well, that's good points, Victor, and uh, I agree with you. I don't know what happened with uh, Doug Peterson and that play calling in that particular football game. It cost you and I dearly in that game. And in fact, I was talking to you before the show We're in pretty nice, I think we're in 46th place in the Westgate Superbook Contest. And uh, uh, we had, obviously, Philadelphia in that game. We win that game, we're in 18th place in the contest. That just shows you how critical and crucial one game in the contest can mean. And a result like that will kind of go, uh, won't go away for a while, believe me. But uh, getting to your point about the two quarterbacks, and I think it's an interesting situation going on there. And I know there's a lot of talk in The city of brotherly love these days about keeping Nick Foles and maybe trading Carson Wentz, getting a number one draft pick and a key player, yada, 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 and all those good things. But you can rest assured they're not going to keep both quarterbacks. They can't afford to keep both quarterbacks. Nick Foles is going to hit the free agent market next year, and he'll be a starting quarterback with some team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, maybe, perhaps even the Washington Redskins, if Alex Smith doesn't uh, isn't able to come back, but he'll end up finding a starting spot somewhere. I mean,
3: the Dolphins too,
2: maybe the Miami Dolphins down here. Exactly right. Uh, but the, you know, the bottom line to me is, uh, you know, what do you do if <laughs> uh, the the wildest scenario is if Philadelphia somehow qualifies for the. Playoffs this year goes on and wins back to back Super Bowls. How do you how do you let Nick Foles go? You right. know uh, after back to back years. But you know the truth of the matter is Carson Wentz is indeed a franchise quarterback, and when he's healthy, he's as good as anybody in the league. He was having an MVP football season last year when he went down uh, with a terrible knee injury, and uh, uh, so the bottom line I don't think there's much of a decision for Philadelphia to make there. It's just a question of what they can get. Uh, in the marketplace for Nick Foles, if anything, right now, before he hits the free agent market. But uh, nonetheless, we'll keep an eye on what happens with Philadelphia, the Eagles, and the other teams in the National Football League. Just before we go to break here, real quick, I'll, I'll review with you guys out there the current odds from our friend Jay Westgate at the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas on teams to win the Super Bowl. Right now, New Orleans Saints are the number one team at 8-5 to five odds. They're followed by Kansas City at 4-1 to one odds then the Rams at 5 to 1, New England at 6 to 1, then it drops off to Chicago at 12 to 1. Baltimore comes in at 20 to 1, Houston 25 to 1, and we've got four teams, Dallas, Indianapolis, Minnesota, and Seattle all at 30 to 1. And I guess if you're playing 30 to 1 long shots, you might want to take a bird in the hand with Seattle and Dallas who are in the playoffs because if you played Indianapolis and Minnesota, you might have a losing ticket before the playoffs even get here. But nonetheless, NFL Super Bowl odds to ponder between now and the start of the playoffs next week. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our college football bowl game of the week. We've got a beauty in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl when Florida takes on Michigan. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
0: If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at SportsData.com. That's SportsData University. Located at SportsData.com. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our college football bowl
2: game of the week, and we've got a beauty on tap in the Peach Bowl this year with a Chick-fil-A. Does a great job in pairing up really good football teams. They're not quite a premier bowl game, but they're one cut below. And they filled the, uh, the the bill that way this year when the Michigan Wolverines will take on the Florida Gators in Atlanta, Georgia. Victor, your take on the Gators and the Wolverines in this year's Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl matchup. Right.
3: Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Atlanta, Georgia. Indoors on the turf, 12 o'clock Eastern. Michigan around a touchdown favorite uh, over underlined 50 and a half. It looks like it's gone up perhaps a half point up to 51 as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning. It seems to me that uh, all the pressure on this bowl game has got to be definitely on the um, Michigan team and Jim Harbaugh, especially how they finished the season with that ugly loss against Ohio State. And if you ask me, Florida's the team that's playing loosey-goosey or playing with house, house money, fantastic season for Mullen in his first year with Florida. So it, it seems to me that the team that has the noose around their neck in regards to this game is indeed the Wolverines. You know, for two teams with very good defenses, in fact, one of the teams has a number one ranked defense in the country. It's a little bit surprising to see that they have both had more overs, then unders this season, Florida 7-4-1 and over-under. Their average game has gone over the total by plus 2.3 points. The low over-under line was 44 against LSU this year, a game that went over the total. Their high over-under line was 60 in that non-conference game against Colorado State, a game that went under the total. Uh, of note is the fact that they Finished the season, Florida, going 5-1-1 and in their last seven games. And, in fact, a perfect 3-0 to the over in their last three games, in which they really busted out on offense with 528 yards, 603 yards, and 536 yards on offense to finish the season. Surprising high-scoring numbers for Florida. On the Michigan side of things, the Wolverines went 7-5 and over-under on the season. Their average game actually went over by almost a full touchdown at plus 5.8 points per game. The low over-under line was 38.5 in their in-state rivalry game against Michigan State, a game that did stay under the total. Their highest over-under line was, again, in a non-conference game against SMU, 54 half, in which the game did go over the total. Like their counterparts... Michigan finished the season on a high-scoring run, 5-2 and two over-under last 7, 3-1 and one over-under in their last four games. And while I do realize they got the number one defense in the land, allowing only, what, 262 to 3 yards per game, they did finish the year giving up 395 yards against Purdue. And then, of course, 567 in that uh, game against Ohio State to close the regular season. I'm leaning over here in the Peach Bowl a little bit, Mark. You know, we talked about the fact earlier in the season that uh, it's kind of surprising that these two teams are playing each other in a bowl game again. They just did so in the 2016 Citrus Bowl. But let me go back uh, in uh, uh, the actual calendar order. The last four meetings between these two have gone a perfect 4-0. and They kicked off the 2017 season by going over the total against each other. And then, as we just mentioned, they went over the total in the Citrus Bowl in 2016. So uh, each of their last four meetings, also over in the 2008 Capital One Bowl and over the total in the 2003 Outback Bowl. We also know from researching our Peach Bowl tendencies that uh, first off, last year's game was pretty high scoring. Central Florida beat Auburn thirty-four to twenty-seven at this site indoors at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, and also the Peach Bowl in the last seven years, as it has averaged fifty-nine point two points per game. With everything said, we're going to lean ever so slightly on the over. The line is going up ever so slowly. It's fifty-one. The last time we looked. Based on the point spread and the over-under line, the anticipated final score is Michigan around 29, Florida around 22. I think the game will be a little closer to that even. But yes, we do have an opinion on the Peach Bowl going over the total marker.
2: Victor likes the over-total in the Florida-Michigan Peach Bowl matchup between the Gators and the Wolverines. New head coach Dan Mullen for the Florida Gators has put new focus into this football program here. They're suddenly relevant once again, and that's important for a big Power Five football conference, a football factory, if you will, at Florida. They played some pretty good football this season here. And you take a look at Dan Mullen and the thing that he's done well in his career, even dating back to Mississippi State, is he's taken – down opponents that come in off losses in their previous game, he's thirty-one and five straight up and twenty-two and eleven to the spread against teams that come in off a loss of seven or more points. The Florida Gators themselves have fared well in bowl games of late. Here, the last eleven bowl games Florida's been in, they've gone eight and three straight up into the number. We like the Southeast Conference in bowl games, especially when they're taking off against Big Ten opponents. We like it because they're 7-2 straight up and 8-1 and one to the spread in the last nine SEC Big Ten Bowl matchups. Michigan, as Victor mentions, comes in here off of that crushing loss to Ohio State and probably about as flat as a football team might be expected. Uh, they fell themselves out of, obviously, a spot in the college football playoffs and they fall instead down here to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl instead the number one defense in the country for the Michigan Wolverines. They've held six opponents to season-low yardage marks this year. The Florida offense is going to have to find a way to put some yards and points up on the scoreboard against this Michigan defense because it is ferocious, although Ohio State was able to exploit them in that season-ending loss that I just talked about. Michigan comes into this football game Uh, bowl favorites of of more than five points, just three, six, and one to the spread. The last times they've been favored by more than five points in a bowl game. Uh, Good news here when uh, the Big Ten does take on the Southeast Conference and the Southeast Conference is awful when they're six and one to the number. But the bottom line to me here, guys, is this, is if you take a look at uh, the psyche of the Michigan Wolverines coming into this game, absolutely crushed in that blowout loss to Ohio State, Couple that with the fact that Michigan, in bowl games after losing to Ohio State to end their season, they're just one and four straight up the last five bowl games they've been in doing just that. They have a hard time getting back up off the mat. I'm going to play Florida plus the points in what I think will be a crowd-favoring venue here in uh, South uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, favoring the Florida Gators. You'll see a lot of blue and orange in the stands in this particular football game. I'll play the points with Florida over Michigan in the Peach Bowl, Chick-fil-A South Bowl game for my side in this contest. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our NFL game of the week. We're going to go inside the black and blue division and take a look at the Bears and the Vikings. And we'll also hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco. We're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
0: All new PlayBucks tokens are here.
3: The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals.
1: The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're
0: serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season.
3: Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL totals guru, at playbook.com. The totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome
2: back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this, the final week of the 2018 NFL football season. And with that, let's take a look at an NFC North Division battle when the Minnesota Vikings take on the upstart Chicago Bears With a lot of playoff implications involved in this football game. Victor, how do you see the Bears and the Vikings faring this Sunday?
3: You got that right. You know, we touched on uh, the situation there in the NFC conference uh, at the beginning of the show. Minnesota wins, and they're in, that's for sure. Minnesota lost to Chicago in a Philadelphia win, and the Eagles would be in the playoffs. And of course, Chicago already has secured a playoff spot. They can still get as high as the number two seed if they win the game and the Rams lose it home to the San Francisco 49ers. Statistically, odds-wise, that's probably not going to happen. So they're you know pretty much locked into playing during the opening wild card weekend. In terms of the spread and the OU line, I'm showing that the uh, Vikings are somewhere up to about a five, five-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under line is already crossing over some pretty significant numbers. Opened at 41 and a half. I made a small play on the under at 41 and a half, anticipating a line move downward, and it has gone down. The last time I looked, it's down to 40 and a half. There's even some 40s out there. So it has already crossed over that key key number of 41 points. And if you're a totals player, you know that many, many games in the NFL indeed finish right on 41 points. And you should let that kind of be your guide as to which way you're going in this game. Case in point, uh, in the most recently played Monday night game, we had a three-star selection on under 42 points in the Denver-Oakland game. It finished right at 41. The game ended right at the four-yard line. Oakland could have rubbed it in, but they did not. And we ended up with a nerve wracking, nail biting one point win, but nevertheless, 41, probably the number one most popular key over under number in the NFL. In terms of the series, three and seven over under, last 10, that's three overs, seven unders. The average combined points in those games between the Vikings and the Bears, 39.0. The last seven meetings in Minnesota, have averaged 38.0, two overs, five unders. On the season, Chicago, surprisingly, even with that very good defense, still more overs than unders on the year at eight and seven overall. However, we do want to point out that they started off the season as one of the top over teams in the league. They went seven and three over under in their first 10 games. But since then, the Bears tightening up on defense play a little more conservative on offense, have gone one and four over under in their last five games. And in fact, each of their last three games have gone under the total. And by big margins, too, by 18.8 points per game, the last three Barrett's games have indeed gone under the total. It's not surprising to see Chicago, excuse me, Minnesota as one of the better under teams in the NFL. They were last season as well. With that very very good defense, a defense that looked like they were slipping in the first half of the season, but has come on strong here in the second and a half. Minnesota has gone six and nine over under on the year. Of course, uh, their splits uh, let that is a little revealing as well. They've gone four and three over under on the road, but at home the Vikings have gone under in five of their seven home games this year, with an average of only forty two point seven points per game. Like their counterparts, they started off the year with more overs and unders. Their first nine games went five and four, but Minnesota has closed the season two and five over under in their last seven. Their last five games, there's been only one over. There's been four unders. The average Viking game has gone under the total by 6.7 points per game. And from our team trends department, the Bears now one and eight over under last nine games in December. They're two and eight to the under after scoring less than fifteen points. That's the case as they're off that fourteen to nine win against the Niners last week. Also, one and four to the under when playing against a division opponent who has revenge against them. Minnesota always a good under team against division opponents. over-under for the Vikings last 28 division games. Also 3-8 over-under last 11 home games. And finally, when we put those two together, we got the fact that in the last two years, Minnesota divisional home games have gone a perfect 0-5 over-under. You know which way we're leaning in this particular game. At a line of 41 or more, I would make this a normal, regular, three-star King Creole play. The fact that it's moving downward a little bit is going to take a little steam off it there. There's still a little beat on the bone. Again, at 41 or more, we call it a normal play in the under. At 40 or less, we call it an opinion on the under, Mark. I would also consider a teaser on the underdog and the under Chicago plus 11 and under 46.5 in a potential two-point teaser. But let the over-under line that you get the game at Dictate what you want to play in this game. Again, 41 or more, it's a normal play on the under. Anything less than that, we'll call it an opinion.
2: A teaser to the dog and the under in the football game as well. So value it up, guys. Look for the best proposition side you can find as far as that total goes. And teasing it along with the dog in the football game. And I agree with Victor about the dog in the football game as well. The Chicago Bears come in here as the biggest surprise team in the National Football League this season here. And in fact, i got to make Mike Nagy my NFL Coach of the Year for the job that he's done with the Bears this football season here. To me, this football team mirrors the Jacksonville Jaguars of last year. Ferocious defense, winning football games on the road, knocking off good quality football teams, not being intimidated by anybody that's been the case for the Chicago Bears this football season. Here, the maturation of quarterback Mitchell Trubisky is happening right now. Maybe not as startling, perhaps, as what they were expecting, but uh, he's improving with each and every start. In fact, I put him ahead of where Blake Bortles was last year at this particular point for the Bears. In his career, Trubisky six two and one to the spread as a dog of a touchdown or less. And, in fact, in division games this year with Trubisky, they're a perfect 4-0 to the spread are the Chicago Bears who come into this football game on a major winning streak. 8-1 straight up and to the spread their last nine football games with the only loss being an overtime setback. Minnesota comes in here, win and they're in in the playoffs here. Just that simple for the Minnesota Vikings. They know what they have to do, win the game, make the playoffs. But I oftentimes find teams in that particular role playing with pressure having to do just that. Good news for Minnesota, they're 8-1 to the spread as last home games when they're coming off a straight-up end point spread win. The bad news is the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, when I put him under the microscope and we did this inside this week's Playbook Football newsletter here, we found some numbers that aren't all that warming to Minnesota Vikings fans, if you will. Kirk Cousins and his career against winning opponents – He's only 9, 19, and 1 straight up. And in fact, in the, against those same teams from game ten on out, when that goes down the stretch and accounts, he's just one and eight in nine games against winning opponents here. And in fact, with the Vikings against winning opponents, he's only one, five, and one straight up. So he tends to chew up on the guys that are beatable, but really struggles against better football teams. The Vikings come in here looking to avenge a twenty-five-twenty loss they suffered. Uh, in the middle of November here to the Chicago Bears. That was, by the way, the Bears' first win against a winning team this football season, but they've really, really uh, solidified themselves since, and they went on to beat the L.A. Rams, and they're playing, like I say, winning eight of the last nine football games into this contest here. The interesting thing to me about the Bears is they will be alive in this football game, coming to play with a reason, the reason being that if the Rams were to lose to San Francisco, they could flip spots and Land the number two spot in the playoffs with a bye week—that's a lot of incentive for the Chicago Bears coming into this contest here. But regardless, I like the way they're playing. I like their head coach, and I like everything. All the vibes about the Chicago Bears this year's Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll play Chicago plus the points against Minnesota for my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. It's time to hop out to Las Vegas and check in with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, I hope Santa was good to you this past weekend and the football games as well.
1: The only thing he didn't deliver was any football games on Christmas Day. We uh, <laughs> yeah uh, did get to we did get to enjoy the NBA and that quintuple header and uh, the the Hawaii uh, the Diamond Head Classic in college basketball. But there was something missing. I, I missed the old blue gray game from New Year's from a uh, Christmas Day <laughs> that we used to have uh, years ago. One of those early college all star games. But otherwise, it's been a very good wind up to the season. Wind up to 2018 for that matter. And of course, I'd like to wish everyone uh, all of our uh, listeners. Uh, and, uh, and all of the Playbook family, uh, the happiest and healthiest and profitable uh, New Year's in 2019.
2: It was Christmas Eve. Uh, you know, we're gathering around starting to open up some presents and uh, it was sure nice to be able to put on an NFL Monday night football game and have that on in the background and nothing like that to be found on Christmas day, as you mentioned here, just NBA basketball. So uh, we got to maybe uh, get this, get the football gods back in order next year when it gets to be Christmas time, maybe a different day of the week might help the situation. I don't know, but I guess it shows that we are football junkies to the purest when it comes to football games, especially around the holidays and this holiday time now, Andy, I know the uh, your logical approach football newsletter is winding down as well as the football season goes. Let our listeners know what they could maybe perhaps see in this week's football newsletter if they visit your site at thelogicalapproach.com. If you would,
1: well, the the newsletter is will be available through the Gamblers Book Club this week, uh, probably later on today. Actually, uh, it'll be a double issue because I've wrapped up the bowl content for the, uh, for our subscribers. If they got the email edition of the newsletter. Earlier uh, this week, as far as uh, uh, the Bowls for Friday and Saturday, and within a f- few hours after uh, ending our recording of this podcast, the uh, Week 17 and uh, the Monday and Tuesday, the December 31st and January 1st Bowls will be available. But it, through, through the GBC, it'll be uh, a combined double issue that'll get underway with uh, the game starting. On Friday. Not much in the way of commentary or features this week, other than to uh, give everyone the customary cautions about handicapping week 17 in the NFL. A lot of teams have clinched spots uh, and will be resting players, especially those that uh, know or have a pretty good idea that they will be playing in the wild card game just the following week. Of course, there are many teams that have been out of contention, and some may went rest regulars because they've already had a long season, no need to risk any additional injury. But also, uh, those teams give an, get an opportunity to give some of their younger players on the roster who didn't get to see a lot of action this year uh, an opportunity to, uh, to show what they can do as far as uh, beginning the play for next season and then of course there are teams whose fates will be decided in week 17 and a number of teams will end up going with their regulars until such point that either the game is comfortably in hand and it looks like they're going to win or unfortunately things turn negative and it looks like they're not going to be able to mount much of a comeback at which point mid-game they may pull some players and as a matter of fact for um, Uh, My best bet this week, I'm actually going to do something a little bit different. It'll be in the NFL, but it'll be a first half wager rather than a play on an entire game because it does involve a team whose fate may be determined while they're still on the field of play. Uh, so that, that basically is the feature this week, and of course, as I mentioned before, the issue that uh, will be coming out to subscribers within the next couple of hours, we'll take a look at the games Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, as the uh, actually the college bowl season wraps up on, Mon- on uh, Tuesday, with the exception of the national championship game the following Monday, and of course the NFL regular season wraps up, meaning that there are just 11 games remaining, uh, starting with the four wildcard games uh, the week after New Year's.
2: Yeah, it's nicely packaged the college football bowl games this year in the sense, like you mentioned, Eddie, that the bowl games will wrap up on New Year's Day and then follow up with the college football championship game uh, the following Monday. So it's really kind of a nice coordinated package, if you will, for the football bowl games. And I know also this is crunch time in the Westgate Superbook Contest, the final week, if you will, for all the money. And it looks like things are bunching up there, Andy, if you would, a little bit of a review of what's going on in the Westgate, the Classic, the Golden, are also over at the Golden Nugget with our good friend Tony Miller and his contest as well.
1: Sure. And by the way, just getting back to the end of the bowl season, it's kind of sad. I kind of missed that old international bowl on January 5th, but uh, uh, that's gone uh, <laughs> That's gone by the wayside over uh, the last several years. And they wrap up nice and neatly on New Year's Day, as they really should, with just that one grand finale uh, a week later, or so, uh, six days later on January 7th. As far as the Super Contests are concerned, the Super Contest Gold, uh, we have one leader with a record of 51-26-3. That's a total of 52 two and a half out of a possible 80 points. That's 65.6% uh, for the season. That's the winner take all contest. Uh, that uh, person has a one game leader, a one point lead over one contestant. Another contestant is a half point further back. Overall, there are 23 contestants within five points of the lead, and of course, this is the winner-take-all contest. So, those with 47.5 points or more still have a chance. Of course, for those that group of those with the 47.5 points, uh, they would need to go five and zero, and uh, need the leader to go zero and five, and correspondingly, o, four and one below that, etc. So, it's unlikely, but as they say, there's still a chance uh, for those. But it looks as though we're the winner of the super contest. Gold is going to have a better record this year than they did last year, which was the first year, and of course more people in the field this year Uh, it looks as though that record will be somewhere around 65 percent and perhaps even a four and one or a five and oh could raise that percentage to 66.7 as far as the consensus last week that was three and two in the super contest gold with the most popular selection being the seattle seahawks on monday night or excuse me on sunday night Uh, that was a winner along with the uh, houston texans winning by the hook, getting two-and-a-half against the Philadelphia Eagles, losing the game but covering by that half point. And on uh, Saturday, the Baltimore Ravens, the second most popular choice, was also a consensus winner. The two consensus losers for the Super Contest Gold uh, were the Carolina Panthers, who uh, were three-and-a-half-point underdogs uh, in that contest after they shut down Cam Newton. Uh, and the, the Atlanta Falcons went on to win that contest, and the New Orleans Saints laying six to the Pittsburgh Steelers, also one of the top five selections in the regular Super Contest. I'll just briefly go through the consensus last week, which was two, two, and one. The winners were on the Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks, the most popular pick in both contests uh, this past weekend. The two losers, the Philadelphia Eagles, laying the two and a half. So the Regular contest uh, consensus went against one of the consensus plays in the super contest gold, as it did with the other consensus loser in the regular contest. Uh, those uh, That contest, uh, the regular contest, had the uh, Chargers on Saturday uh, as a losing selection, whereas in the Super Contest, Gold, the Ravens were a winning selection. So interesting that we had two opposition uh, plays in the consensus for each of those contests. The one push in the main contest, the Chicago Bears laying four to the San Francisco 49ers. As far as the Uh, Leaderboard is concerned. This is, of course, the final week in both of these contests. And the leader has uh, jumped up to a nice uh, lead of a point uh, ahead of the second place uh, contestants, 57 and 23. That's 71.3%. As far as the leader goes, the second-place contestant at 56, then there's a bit of a gap, a point and a half to three contestants tied for third. But if you finish in the top five, you're going to get a very nice payday. The uh, winner is going to get uh, something around a million and a half dollars. Then it drops down, but still six figures for uh, several contestants finishing after that. Overall, there are 19 contestants within five points of the lead. Right now, that would mean 52 points out of a possible 80 would get you in the top five. Uh, Within five of the lead, that's 65%. A total of 81 contestants are uh, right now in position to collect full shares for the uh, paying uh, places. That's 62.5%. There are 29 contestants tied for 82nd through 100th place, which is the final paying position. That's 61.9%. So basically, if you're hitting 62% uh, or better this year, you stand to cash something in the contest. And I don't imagine those numbers will change all that significantly over week 17, because there are a lot of people right on the heels of that 62% to if they have good weeks and some of those guys ahead of them slip, uh, you can move up uh, 70 or 80 positions, not as far as paying places, but the number of contestants that you will be able to pass with just one win or one extra point. So uh, it's good figures to be an exciting race down to the finish. In the Golden Nugget contest, this is the contest where you pick uh, seven games per week, college or Pros, uh, sides only, no totals this year. Uh, this pays 20 places, and currently the leader is at 75, 35, and 2. That's 76 out of a possible 112 points. That's 67.9%, and that's worth noting because for much of the season, the leader in the Golden Nugget contest was hitting in excess of 72 and 75%. It's come down somewhat over the last few weeks, and perhaps... It's understandable because really over the past uh, three to four weeks, you've basically had mostly NFL games to choose from with very small offerings in the college bowl games, which have been spread out. And of course we've seen the NFL have some very unusual results as it normally does over the final three to four weeks of the regular season. So uh, the contestants still putting up an outstanding record. 67% is outstanding, especially when you're talking about 112 plays. And uh, right now uh, 69 points is uh, what would be involved in the final paying positions. It pays the top 20 with 11 through 20 getting your money back and 1 through 10 making a nice little payday by uh, having a very successful season in the Golden Nugget Contest.
2: Nice recap of what's going on the final week of the big contest in Las Vegas from the Westgate end also the golden nugget contest the ultimate challenge contest at the golden nugget from Andy Isco visiting us from the com in Las Vegas and Andy I noticed as we do when we do our line moves segment on the show here we've been uh, we've been also hitting on the advanced lines and Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, for the first time in a long time, I saw advanced lines coming out of the Westgate for the final week of the season, usually with it being division games and all the uncertainties that there weren't lines. But uh, we did see some lines last week. Was that the first time that they've done that since they've gone to this all division format for the final week of the season?
1: You know, I, I'm not positive. I think it is. I know that uh, they've only been putting out has the Westgate these advanced lines for three or four years, as I recall. I don't recall it going much further than that. And for many years, of course, uh, they would uh, withhold a number of Week 17 games just just right after Week 16 ended. In fact, right now, as as we are speaking. There are three games for week 17 for which there are no lines up, and that's the Carolina-New Orleans game, the Indianapolis-Tennessee Sunday night game, the winner of which will go to the playoffs, likely as a wild card, but potentially – as the AFC South champion, uh, and the loser goes home, and the Arizona Seattle game, and I'm guessing that that may be due to the fact that Seattle could be resting some players. They've already clinched a playoff spot, but they won't know uh, whether or not they'll be the number one or number two wild card. That will depend upon uh, what uh, happens in the games between Chicago, Minnesota. And Philadelphia and Washington, which will be played simultaneously, those will all be part of the later set of games on on Sunday. So I guess the books are waiting for a little bit more certainty about what's going to take place in Seattle, as well as uh, the uh, Marcus Mariota injury with Tennessee. I would expect Tennessee to come out a very slight favorite in that one. In fact, given how well Indianapolis has played – I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee is something like a two and a half point favorite and they let the public decide do they want to lay less than a field goal with the home team or do they want to take maybe uh, less than a field goal uh, with the team that uh, arguably is playing as well as any team in the NFL right now, the Indianapolis Colts and of course Carolina, New Orleans don't think New Orleans has announced its plans for uh, Drew Brees quite yet and uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see Hill uh, instead of uh, lining up at a wide receiver, lining up at quarterback for a good part of that game. So the book's taking a bit of a cautious approach. Now, as far as the games that are available or were available for week 17, and I think we touched upon it last week, if you had some strong opinions about what might happen in week 16 – There were some nice bargains out there, for example, in week 17. And starting with the first game on the board, the Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. The Giants had already been eliminated by the time week 16 got underway. The Dallas Cowboys needed just to win their game this past weekend to clinch the NFC East unable to move up or down uh, from that number four seed. And, of course, they did get that win over the weekend. Last week, the Giants were two-and-a-half-point home favorites, expecting that Dallas would win, but not really being certain of that. However, when this line came up again Sunday night, Monday morning, the Giants were seven-point home favorites, bet down to six, meaning that if you anticipated uh, the line move, that would jump the Giants up, but not knowing how much, and you thought Dallas was going to win last week, Could have laid under a field goal for this week's game against the Dallas Cowboys with the uh, New York Giants. Uh, Last week, uh, the uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles were five and a half point uh, road favorites for this week's game against the Washington Redskins. Uh, Knowing that the Eagles had a win last week, and that was dicey for quite a time, now that they've won, they still need help. But uh, Washington, which has been eliminated, the Eagles opened seven and a half point road favorites. It's been bet down to six and a half, but still higher than what you might have been able to lay with Philadelphia uh, last week. Looking at a couple of the other games, the Baltimore Ravens, four and a half point home favorites last week when they, uh, uh, prior to playing uh, at the Chargers, they're hosting the uh, suddenly red hot and enthusiastic Cleveland Browns this week. And Cleveland playing extremely well. In fact, Cleveland playing for an opportunity for its first winning season since 2007. That's pretty remarkable for them to be in that position after going 1-31 the past two years, including 0-16 uh, last season. However, the uh, oddsmakers, knowing that Baltimore now controls its own fate and all they need is, uh, is a win over Cleveland, so that four-and-a-half-point line was adjusted up to the Baltimore Ravens' six-point home favorites uh, right now as they face the uh, Cleveland Browns on a Sunday. An interesting line move involves a game between two teams out of contention. That's the Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last week, Atlanta was a three-point road favorite in this contest as mentioned they went on the road and they won at carolina uh, this past week when this line came up once again tampa bay played a competitive game in their loss to dallas but of course dallas had everything to play for in that game Uh, atlanta came up as a two and a half point road favorite on sunday night and yet steady money has come in on the tampa bay buccaneers so that as of midweek tampa bay now the one point home favorite uh, by the way, that Indianapolis-Tennessee game that I mentioned, there's no line on currently. Last week, the look-ahead line, the, game that you, the line that you could have bet last week, Indianapolis was indeed a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at Tennessee. So even though I thought Tennessee might be the small home favorite in this uh, game when a line finally comes up, let's see if the Lions makers go with what they liked last week before both Indianapolis and Tennessee won this past weekend. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 13-point home favorites last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, Bengals out of contention. When this line came up on a Sunday evening, Pittsburgh now playing with the need to win, but also needing help from Baltimore. Actually, needing help from Cleveland. That's another irony. How how is it amazing that uh, Cle- that Pittsburgh Steeler fans will be rooting for the Cleveland Browns this weekend?
2: <laughs> yes, and, they will. <laughs> and not
1: only that. Not only that, they'll be rooting for the Cleveland for the Cleveland Browns to beat the former Cleveland Brown franchise, which of course is now the Baltimore Ravens. So a little bit of oddity there, but nonetheless, when this line came up, knowing the great need for Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh opened a 15 and point home favorite. It's been bet down slightly to 14 and a half we did see Cincinnati at least show a little bit of measure of uh, not quitting by putting up that backdoor covering touchdown against Cleveland last week that hurt a lot of uh, of betters and had a big impact in the super contest where uh, they were eight and a half point favorites and the Browns were a popular choice laying that big number uh, looking at uh, one other game of, uh, of interest the Chargers at the Broncos of course depending upon what happens in the simultaneously played game between uh, the Chiefs and the Raiders uh, uh, the Chargers could end up with the number one seed, whereas there's been no change in the Kansas City-Oakland line from last week. 13.5 Kansas City, there has been a change in the line from last week with the Chargers. They were 5.5-point road favorites for this matchup against Broncos. Broncos have lost three in a row after sitting at 6-6, six and six, and perhaps being a wildcard team, Chargers now have to lay 65 in that game at uh, Denver Rams and 49ers Rams were 9 point favorites last week against the 49ers they're now 10 point favorites you mentioned earlier about Chicago being in a position to get the number 2 seed should the uh, Bears beat the Vikings on the road and should the Rams uh, end up losing Uh, wouldn't expect them to lose this year to San Francisco of course last year they had already wrapped everything up and they were beaten badly by the 49ers of course Jimmy Garoppolo was at the helm and ending the 49ers to the that lengthy end-of-season winning streak that uh, gave a lot of hope for the future. Unfortunately, Garoppolo injured early uh, this season. By the way, and, and I, you may have pointed this out in that Chicago-Minnesota game, that this could easily be a preview of a rematch the following week uh, between the Bears and uh, the uh, the Vikings. In fact, likely, because you, again, have to expect that the Rams are going to beat the 49ers. I'm wondering, and again, this is part of the intangible handicap Would the Bears prefer to face the Minnesota Vikings or would they prefer to face Philadelphia or Seattle? Because if they beat the Vikings, uh, they will not be facing the Vikings if Philadelphia wins. So uh, just an interesting thing on the side. Another part of what makes week 17 the most challenging week of the season, even more challenging than week one.
2: Great point about the possibilities existing in that Bears-Vikings game. I wasn't aware of that, Andy, but uh, it does put a different spin on the football game as well. We'll see exactly how the Chicago Bears approach that game with Minnesota. It'll be, interestingly, one game we'll have to absolutely watch on the football card this week. I know Victor's got a question he wants to run by on the show this week as well. With that, Victor, I'm going to hand it off
3: to you. Sure thing, Andy. You know, one of the number one rules that you get from a a very smart handicapper is is to stay away from the popular teams. A bad better bets on teams, but a good better bets on numbers, and they bet on value in the point spread. It's no more evident than the NFL, particularly in the month of December. Take the four most popular teams in the NFL right now, two from each conference: the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots. The L.A. Rams, the New Orleans Saints. Right now, if you bet the Chiefs, you're 0-4 ATS in your last four games. If you bet on the Patriots, you're 0-3 ATS in your last three games. New Orleans, despite being 10-5 and ATS on the season, they have failed to get the cash in three out of the four games in December thus far. L.A. Rams, man, they've gone 2-6 and six ATS in their last eight games. I think you would agree... That you stay away from teams, a good better always bets numbers and where they can find perceived value in the point spread.
1: Victor, there's a lot of, of agreement uh, with you on that. I normally don't like to play those high-priced favorites, which they will be. And you mentioned Kansas City 0-4 its last four games. Remember, the Chiefs started the season, I think, 7-0, and I believe it was, ATS. So uh, there's a team that you are continually play- paying a higher price for. And keep in mind that few teams are able to sustain the level of play that we see early in the season to late in the season. And vice versa, some teams that start slowly end up gaining steam around mid-season. So it's only natural that the lines are going to follow the performances of the team. So over the second half of the season, I often try to isolate those teams that look bad in September, but have started to play a little bit better through October. And especially when this is a team that has had some recent playoff experience, uh, for example, teams that may have had two to three appearances in the last uh, uh, three to five seasons, at least and some even more than that. So it's it's important to follow the numbers as follows, uh, as far as, uh, well, let me, let me phrase it this way value is always something that is that varies from better to better from handicapper to handicapper based upon what they perceive the line should be and what the line is however chasing the better number looking for the better number and playing the numbers is something that is somewhat unrelated to value because two and a half is a very key number you want to avoid taking plus two and a half where you can and you prefer laying two and a half where you can when you're liking the favor and you're laying less than a field goal so from that perspective Numbers are extremely important, but and, and the point that you're making there is that the public plays teams, and the professionals play numbers, and that's exactly what it's been for oh probably about the last eight to ten years as the handicapping and bookmaking. Uh, uh, Industry has gotten much more sophisticated. There's been a greater wealth of knowledge out there through the internet, through basically just the passage of time. You know, those of us who have been doing it for you know uh, thirty, forty years, whatever it may be, when we were starting, there wasn't that much information out there because you didn't have the means of communicating that information on a mass basis as you have over the last, well, say, twenty years since the internet came into existence. I've I've maintained that. Over the last uh, 10 to 15 years, the um, sharpest square is more knowledgeable than, say, the uh, sharpest wise guy of 30 years ago.
2: Good points, guys. Uh, Excellent handicapping points, and it's all sage advice to move forward with when you're handicapping football games. One point Andy hits on that uh, I think is going to be a little bit perplexing for not only the contestants in the contests this weekend, having to lay these exorbitant amount of double-digit points this week is kind of not in a lot of sharp handicappers' DNA. But uh, the situations being what they are and having to uh, move in about yourself a position to advance or stay alive in this contest is going to make it very, very interesting to see what happens. You're going to see a lot of underdogs players that are going to be laying some chalk this week. Uh, positioning themselves in those contests as well so all in all this is really a quite of a chess match week if you will as far as the contest and the handicapping goes this football season here and Andy before I let you go I know you mentioned that on your complimentary play on the show this week you're going to get yourself involved in a first half wager and I'd be interested to hear exactly what that is and what it is you're looking at.
1: Yeah, let me just point out or reinforce the thought about Week 17. There are always uncertainties involving every game and every week, but in Week 17, those uncertainties are enhanced because you're doing a lot of guessing work as far as what the motivation will be for certain teams and certain players. Will they play hard? Will they play hard for a full 60 minutes? And that sort of leads into my selection for this week, and it involves the game between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh, about a 14 and a half to 15 point favorite for the game. They are eight-point favorites in the first half. Now, they will be playing at the taking the field and playing at the same time that Baltimore will be hosting and playing the Cleveland Browns. If Baltimore wins, Pittsburgh is out of the chase for the playoffs. They cannot make it as a wild card. Their only way is through winning the division, and that would occur if Pittsburgh wins and Baltimore loses. On the other hand, uh, we don't know exactly how this game will play out as far as the uh, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game because if Suddenly, Pittsburgh is finds that uh, Baltimore is winning, say, 24-3 to at the half. They may not come out and give their best effort in the second, second half, as opposed to if, indeed, this was a game that, let's say, the Ravens are up, say, 17-13 at halftime, or maybe Cleveland's ahead, then we probably get a pretty spirited effort from Pittsburgh for the balance of the game. I expect Pittsburgh to come out extremely aggressive. They are an eight-point favorite in the first half. Now, they may end up going on and winning this game by you know 35 points if indeed Baltimore uh, is uh, is in a competitive game and Pittsburgh still feels they have a chance to win and Cincinnati decides okay our season's over on the other hand at the start of the game everybody is equal Pittsburgh and then they uh, look they felt that they were victimized by some officiating calls in the uh, game against New Orleans, although I don't know that it would have made that much of a difference, and New Orleans was probably going to win that game anyway. But nonetheless, Pittsburgh, I think, realizes that they cannot afford to give Cincinnati any chance, especially early in that game. Pittsburgh, by uh, th- what they would like to do, I- at least in theory, they'd like to be up like 24-3 to 3 at halftime and then take their chances with With Baltimore in the second half, but if Baltimore comes back and all of a sudden it appears that Pittsburgh is not going to be able to make the playoffs regardless of whether or not they win, maybe they slack off a little bit with realization sets in that they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think that situation exists in the first half, so I'm going to look for a big effort out of the Pittsburgh Steelers to open their game against Cincinnati.
2: Andy Isco lays the points with Pittsburgh in the first half in this uh, Cincinnati football game for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. As always, great job on the show, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week for our final show here on Mark Lawrence against the spread next week.
1: Thank you, Mark. And that does bring up one point where there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of teams we don't know how they're going to play this week. Next week, we know we should be expecting each team's best efforts. Once the playoff begins, every game is count. Every play is critical, and uh, we should get the best efforts, and those generally make things for a better handicap when we can look at the basis of established form. I'd like to wish you, Victor, and all of our listeners once again a very happy and healthy New Year, and I look forward to speaking with you in the middle of wildcard week.
2: That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When Dick and I come back, we'll put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week in our complimentary plays when we're back with more here next on Mark Lawrence Against the spread.
0: need guaranteed that's my as in apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his aw- 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 awesome angle of the week
2: All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in the college football bowls upcoming games. We call our awesome angle. No way, not again. And what we're looking to do is to play against any bowl favorite who won its bowl game last year straight up as a dog of six and a half or more points. If they're off a straight up and point spread loss and they allow 22 or more points per game. Teams last year who pulled a surprise as dogs of six and a half or more. Coming into a bowl game this year, favored, coming off a disappointing straight-up an ATS loss with a wobbly defense allowing more than 22 points a game. By playing against these teams, we're 19-3 against the spread since 1980. Our no-way-not-again play against this week will be against South Carolina. Saturday in the Belk Bowl, we'll play on Virginia against South Carolina for our awesome angle play on the football card this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports off that red-hot winning week last week. Victor, if you would, let us know what you've got on tap this week at King Creole Sports and about the Totals tip sheet.
3: Sure thing. One more issue left for the Totals tip sheet for the season, and that'll be available at the playbook.com website by Wednesday evening. Andy briefly touched on the fact that uh, this is a difficult period for handicapping, let alone betting. I'm talking about the final regular season week of the NFL season. I mean, you think it's tough handicapping week one in the NFL with so much uncertainty in many cases, week 17 (laughs) is even more difficult. So I I think Mark would probably agree with me in that in terms of NFL plays this week, let's not go hog wild. Uh, You don't have to have a lot of volume this week. Sure. There's going to be a handful of games, three, four, five that are worthy of a wager But uh, I think here over the month of December, we've done a decent job building up the bankroll, building up the bankroll for this last half of the college football bowl season, building up the bankroll for the NFL postseason in which the games do count. And, you know, you're going to get the best effort from each team like Andy just talked about. So let's put up the uh, caution light, the yellow caution light in regards to a lot of volume this week in the NFL. I mean, you mentioned big point spreads, Mark. Ha- more than half the games have point spreads of nine or more this week in the NFL. So, again, that said, a little bit of caution in regards to pro football this particular week. One play that we're going to be on is uh, we're going to be going under the total with Old Reliable. And with Old Reliable, I say that kind of with a question mark. Old Reliable is the New England Patriots. You know, when you take a look at the over-understandings this year in the NFL, two things really jump out at you. They make your jaw drop almost. And it really should be the other way around. And when I take a look at the top two over teams this year in the NFL, it's not surprising to see the Kansas City Chiefs are one of them. But you know who is tied with the Chiefs for most overs this week in the uh, this season in pro football? New York Jets, that's right, 10-5 and over-under, tied with the Kansas City Chiefs. I talked about it last week, very, very surprising, given their personnel, given the tough division, that the fact that the Jets have gone indeed gone over in 67% of their games this season on the other end of the spectrum. And again, in many, many years, this would be the other way around. But the number two under team this year is the New England Patriots. Remember those good old days? You can count on Hmm. the Patriots to score a lot of points, maybe allow their fair share of points. Not this year. The value has been on Patriots unders. And in fact, seven of their last eight games have indeed gone under the total. We were on the under last week against Buffalo. It went under the total. Their average margin minus 8.5 points per game. They are now the number two under team in the league, in the NFL And let's not forget, this is already historically a low-scoring series. Jets and Patriots, each of the last five meetings have gone under the total between these two teams. Average over-underline, 46.4. Average combined points, less than 40. 39.2. We used this last week in New England's game against Buffalo when you see a really big team at home in a division game, and they are favored by double digits. You always want to think under first division home favorites of an 11 or more points have gone three and 15 over under in the last five seasons, a strong under percentage that applies to the New England New York Jets game this particular week. Uh, I also touched on the fact that the Patriots have not covered the point spread in each of their last three games in the NFL teams who are 600 or better on the season who are favored. And are off three or more ATS losses in a row. Have gone nine twenty-five and two since two thousand and seven. They've gone one and eight over under in each of the last four seasons. That applies to the Patriots in this particular game. And what clinches is clinches it for me is a uh, game sixteen specific pattern. And it's Game 16 teams in the NFL who are closing the season with back-to-back home games, like the Patriots are, have gone 15-33 and all-time. That's easily 68% under the total. Again, all-time in our database when the over-under line is greater than 42 points. It is in this game. It's at 45 and a half. Get your play in as soon as possible. It's also gone 1-9 and nine over-under. In the last four seasons, we're going under the total again, in the Patriots as they host the Jets this particular week. Game flow, game script indicates again, like last week, they get out to a big lead. They sit on the ball in the second half. The game finishes under the total. Uh, As far as our big King Creole play, nothing big this weekend. We will let you know, though, that our college bowl game of the year is going to be an over, and it's going to be in one of the New Year's Day games on Tuesday, January 1st. It'll be up at the playbook.com website a little bit later this week. That's going to be our college bowl game over of the year uh, available this weekend. Again, best of luck. Happy New Year to all Patriots and the Jets under the total.
2: A rock solid handicap to the Vegas, uh, New England, New York Jets football game under the total from Victor King at King Creole Sports. And also be sure to get down on his college bowl over total play of the year. The New Year's Day game on January 1st, you can get that online at playbook.com. Anytime after this Friday, get on board for that college bowl over total play from Victor King at King Creole Sports. Before I get to my top complimentary play on the card this week, I want to remind our listeners out there once again that the playbook tokens are being very, very well received at the site this year. People love the tokens because you don't have to uh, labor yourself with entering bank cards for every time you make purchases. You can just go on the fly with tokens. You can use tokens to get guaranteed makeups from any handicapper you choose for a non-winning selection here. A lot of fun. And get 100 free tokens if you haven't done so yet when you register now online. At playbook.com, click on the Get Tokens link, if you will, to get your 100 free tokens. I will also be releasing my 10-star college bowl play of the year, available online at playbook.com this Friday. It's part of another $99 football weekend of winners. You want to get on board by calling my office toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777. Or visit us online at playbook.com for both. My 10-star bowl game of the year and victors college bowl totals play of the year at playbook.com. My complimentary play on the football card this week, we're going to go out to the Music City Bowl this Friday when Purdue takes on Auburn in a matchup of one team that's thrilled to be in the bowl game, that being the Purdue Boilermakers, against the other team that's flat out flat and despondent to be in this bowl game. That's the Auburn Tigers. Looking at this contest here, Purdue comes in here with the number eight ranked red zone offense this football season here. They've done a great job this football season after getting out that slow 0-3 start. They've worked their way into a bowl game. And tip of the hat to them and head coach Jeff Braum, who, by the way, Jeff Braum has never lost a bowl game. He's 4-0 straight up and 3-1 to the spread. You're taking a look at Auburn, who comes in here deeply disappointed, expected to challenge Alabama in the SEC West. Instead, they settle for the Music City Bowl. Inside the bowl stat report, we note that Auburn went up against six other bowl teams this year. They were just two and four straight up and against the spread in those games. They won the yards only one time, and they were outstatted 123 yards a game against other bowl teams this football season here. You put all this stuff together here with the fact that Auburn's lost the money 3 times in a row against Big 10 teams and we talked earlier on the show about the huge yards per play disparity and how well it's doing in college football bowl games this year. Purdue has a monumental disparity in this game. They average 6.5 yards per play, Auburn only 5.5 yards per play, yards per play. That's a full yard advantage to Purdue in this football game. I'll play Purdue plus the points over Auburn in the Music City Bowl for my complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Until we're back next week with our final show for the 2018 football season, I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Thrill Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com, and we know our good friend Jack Reynolds is listening always from above. Going to wish you a very happy New Year's in the days coming ahead. Until then... Remember to always to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.